We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Chris Puhovich, a player who has cashed more than $40,000 in his career at the FFPC. In the episode, we talk about whether Kenny Stills is a good start if Matt Moore remains the quarterback, who he likes better between Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, and how good his chances are at winning the $250,000 grand prize in this year's Football Guys Players Championship, having three teams in the top 100 going into the championship round. Also, to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa. The winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager, David Hubbard, Sousa previews his league playoffs as well as discusses Eric Ebron's resurgence and more. You can follow Sousa on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. 
Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. Nelson, the uh, the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship League playoffs, starting this week, week 12. The buys are all behind us. Tell us uh, what kinds of changes you guys are going to be making to how you manage the waiver wire and uh, your starting lineups over the next few weeks. Yeah, just basically, um, you know, it's shaping out the uh, back end of the roster, you know, probably on teams where we've had one quarterback the whole year. We'll you know, we'll, we'll drop a, you know, a random, you know, handcuff running back that uh, doesn't really have any value right now and pick up a second quarterback, um, take a look at a couple of defenses, see if uh, we want to carry two, you know, to play matchups. Uh, same thing, you know, with the tight end, make sure we have, uh, you know, a backup. Um, you know, we own a lot of Jimmy Graham this year, so uh, a simple solution if we have kind of like a questionable, you know, second uh, tight end, it would be uh, picking up Luke Wilson. And that way it kind of ensures us that we have, you know, a uh, playable tight end. Because I think if Graham ever went down, Wilson would be pretty solid uh, player. Uh, so that that's kind of what we're looking at here the next uh, week or so. We talked. You mentioned the the Seahawks tight ends. Let's talk about um, the Lions tight end situation because Eric Ebron's target share has climbed once again for the third week in a row. This is a guy that a lot of people wrote off uh, in the middle part of the season. You know, and and after a lot of people were drafting him fairly high as as a potential breakout candidate, he gets ten point nine FFPC points this week. You look at the league playoffs starting this week. Is he a guy that should be in tight end premium lineups? Uh, man, I, you know, I, I think he makes for an okay play at tight end, but I, I think if you're flexing him, uh, you know, over, you know, uh, if you don't have like a wide receiver or, or a pretty good running back to play in the flex and you're flexing Ebron, I think you're, you know, you're kind of hurting with your team. I don't know how far it's going to really make it in the uh in the playoffs but i i think he's solid you know to play a tight end if that makes any sense you know i just don't i don't feel all that great about playing him in the flex if i you know can avoid it i feel like there's there's been a lot of successful teams you guys included in this definitely um over the past few years teams that have not drafted a tight end high in leagues and as a result they get some pretty good running backs they get a pretty dominant receiving core and then they just kind of need that like fringe top 12, top 15 guy that they plug in just to, you know, get some points at tight end. And a lot of times you get a guy that's, you know, has the the pedigree that Eric Ebron does. If he gets hot and you already have the team around him at, at backs and receivers, he's the type of guy that could that could really, you know, make a, a strong team stronger if he puts the pieces together there. Yeah, I mean, Ebron, I mean, he's always had the talent. I mean, he's capable in that offense to, to put up you know, pretty big games. It's just, you know, it seems like, you know, this looked like it was prime, you know, uh, he was primed to have a breakout year. And um, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, I think the guy's a head case. Uh, he lacks concentration. Um, you know, even last week, you know, he had a, you know, a pretty solid game. But, uh, 
you know, I was watching the game and on the sidelines, Stafford looked like he's like yelling at him, you know, because it looked like he ran the wrong route or he wanted him to kind of, you know, the defense was playing zone. So he wanted him to kind of sit down rather than continue running his route. So, um, you know, it, it it's tough to, to trust him. I, I, the trend is going in a positive direction way better than what it was a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy, like I said, that it's hard to trust him right now to play tight end. Another guy that you really can't trust in lineups right now is Jordy Nelson. This is a guy that, you know, during the first part of the season, even when Aaron Rodgers is health, healthy, he, he kind of was a touchdown-dependent guy. And now since Brett Hundley took over uh, at quarterback for the Packers, uh, Jordy Nelson's basically been non-existent. Is there any case that you could make for starting Jordy Nelson in your lineup right now? Uh, I, I can't. I can't play Jordy Nelson. Uh, I, it just looks like um, Hundley prefers uh, Adams to to Jordy, um, and I also think that Jordy has definitely lost the step now this year and I think Rogers definitely comp- compensated for Jordy's you know diminished skills so uh, you know with Rogers out you know you just can't you can't play Jordy right now with any confidence you know in, in talking about the Packers receivers we we saw one of maybe the worst offensive performance by the Packers since I don't know, maybe in the last 30 years. It's tough to, to at least at home at Lambeau. Yet you look at the box score, Devontae Adams actually had a really good game. Eight catches for 126 yards. I think that there might be some fantasy players, uh, myself included, as the, as the playoffs are coming up here in, in, in my leagues as well, that might be a little skittish about inserting him in their starting lineup. But should they be? Because this is a guy that, that seemingly is, you know, even with the Packers offense, just you know, really on uh, at a new low, Devontae Adams is continuing to make uh, himself fantasy-worthy and start-worthy. Yeah, I mean, I am uh, I was guilty of it two weeks ago where I really didn't have any confidence in, in playing Adams. Um, and I, he, you know, he put up 20 points. And then, you know, this week, I, uh, I felt like that was a tough matchup, um, you know, for, for Green Bay a little bit. And uh, I thought maybe, you know, hey, there's an outside chance here that, uh, you know, that they could have, Baltimore could have Jimmy Smith on Adams, you know, treat him as kind of like the number one and follow him around. Uh, But it it really doesn't matter. I mean, Adams just, you know, he looks looks really good right now on the field. He seems to have a rapport with Hunley. So uh, I, I wouldn't be, you know, benching him at this point. Final question for you, Nelson, is, is uh, you know, before we let you go this week, um, another big injury to the uh, the Washington backfield. We already saw Rob Kelly go down. He was placed in IR. This week it's Chris Thompson with the broken leg. He is, I don't believe he's been placed in IR yet, but he should be shortly. Backfield is now uh, Samaji Pirine, um, you know, leading the way there. And then you also have um, Jamison Crowder uh, could be affected by this as well as far as, um, you know, how – what he does very well might uh, actually uh, accentuate the run game a little bit more than the pass game. Talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on what these injuries to Kelly and Thompson do for um, the fantasy value for P Ryan and, and Crowder. Yeah. So for P Ryan, you know, perfect example of, you know, a late season injury uh, 
heading and into the stretch run where there's going to be a, a running back that, you know, was on nobody's mind uh, a few weeks ago, you know, probably on a few waiver wires. And now he's, he could turn into a potential uh, difference maker. You know, maybe he doesn't have the talent to be a total difference maker, but, you know, in that offense, you know, he's, he's going to be one of those guys that, it happens every year. There's always the you know one or two running backs that just uh, down the stretch you know weren't household names you know uh, all season long, and now you know boom they're gonna take over. They're gonna have a big role, um, and they're gonna be fantasy relevant. So I I do like P. Ryan. I think you know he he's he's gonna have value uh, for for teams that do have them, uh, and then for Crowder. You know, he's a guy that started off really slow. I mean, he was basically a bust uh, this year. He was another guy that, you know, had a lot of, uh, you know, hype going into the season, a lot of upside, and uh, it didn't, for whatever reason, it didn't pan out, which I I think it's partly to do with injury. Um, As you know, heading into week one, he popped up on the injury report, you know, last uh, week of the the preseason with a, like a hip injury. And I, I think part of it was he just never, never got healthy. And now you're seeing a guy that um, looks healthier, looks quicker on the field. You know, Jordan Reed, Terrell Pryor was a bust, uh, the playing Doxon, and now Crowder's becoming kind of like the, the go-to guy. So um, Crowder's another guy, you know, that you, you can definitely put in the lineup and know that, you know, he's going to get his share of targets uh, and be involved in the game plan. Well, we definitely always like uh, keeping you involved in our podcast listening plan, Nelson. I appreciate you uh, dropping by again this week on the High Stakes Lowdown. Best of luck to you in the main event and Football Guys uh, League Championship playoffs. I I know you guys uh, got a lot of teams in there. Uh, Best of luck to you. Hopefully the balls bounce your way, and happy Thanksgiving, man. All right, you too. Stay safe. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's $40,000 FFPC winner Chris Pujovich. Chris, when you are when you are not playing high stakes fantasy football, tell the listeners uh, what you're doing for a living. Yeah, so my day job is uh, corporate finance, right? So that's internal looking at the company uh, that I work for, and uh, budgeting and, and analysis. Uh, you know, helping them get a, a well balanced financial uh, perspective of how the business is performing, areas to improve, stuff like that. Um, and then on the side, I also buy and sell domain names, uh, invest in stocks, and, and like you said, fantasy football. So I keep myself busy. Yeah, definitely, and and uh, gives you the opportunity for a, a lot of different things that always keep your uh, your mind sharp for sure. Yeah, definitely. You uh, you have a lot of teams in the uh, 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, and I'm always curious with with people who own a lot of teams, manage a lot of them. When you're building them, or when when you have the strategy uh, that goes into drafting these. Are you trying to 
apply the same strategy to all these drafts uh you know are, are you trying to go zero rb in as much uh, as you can robust rb are you trying to draft some tight end heavy teams given that's a high tight end premium contest wide receiver heavy teams for like a you know sort of a you know an, an anti-fragile uh you know aspect uh, of drafting or did you try a bunch of these strategies or none where you're just picking best player available tell, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts were uh as far as how you attacked each of these drafts yeah sure so so my strategy isn't as simple as uh, zero running back or anything like that um it's more taking a look at who's on the board, the top player at each position, and then how far ahead I think he is above the second guy at that position that I could get on the comeback of the draft. Um, you know, so if a guy I think is 50 points ahead of the, of the next guy that you could take, and and everyone else is 20 points ahead, I'm going to take the guy who's 50 points ahead, right? Um, because I'm trying to put together a well balanced team where I think cumulatively they're going to have the, the highest score, right? That's that's how you're going to place in the top four to make it to the playoffs. Um, you know, sometimes I, I kind of like a player, so I really like Travis Kelsey this year. So if he was available in round two, I'd take him. Um, I liked Mark Ingram. I would take him. You know, so some of it uh, worked out well. And I think last time we talked, uh, one one thing I said I was going to do this year was avoid David Johnson, which uh, I did. I took Le'Veon Bell whenever I got the number one pick, um, and that's worked out well, right? I, I, you know, you, you don't think David Johnson's going to get hurt, but my, my theory was, you know, Carson Palmer's a little bit older. Uh, there's risk for injury. There's there's a regression that I thought was going to happen. The offensive line was a little bit weak. So, um, you know, sometimes things just work out for you too. Yeah, indeed they did uh, for that for for sure. You know, you know, I, I always kind of like looking ahead uh, next year. It, basically, as soon as the current year starts, I what do you think about David Johnson next year? I mean, obviously a lot can happen. I mean, they could draft somebody. There there could be some offensive line changes. But as it stands right now, do you think this injury? that he suffers in week one might actually cause him to be a discount uh, in drafts next year? I think the QB position is important there, right? So if Carson Palmer retires, uh, even if he doesn't retire, I think, uh, you know, he's not going to be a desirable quarterback. Um, If you take a look at the guys this year, right, Todd Gurley uh, had a horrible year last year, but look at the quarterback play last year, right? It was bad quarterback play. Gurley had a bad year. This year, uh, Jared Goff's playing well. Todd Gurley's playing well, right? So I think there's a correlation there. Um, so uh, again, I would avoid David Johnson next year. I take a look at Gurley uh, over him. I take a look Le'Veon Bell over him. Um, I take a look Mark Ingram even over him. Uh, you know, it, it really depends what you think, but I think again the, the QB position kind of dictates uh, how the running back does in a lot of instances. And you don't see a guy have a breakout season when the the quarterback is really struggling. Um, so that's kind of my theory on it. And I think a lot of people would tell you, too, that when David Johnson had that baller year in um, 2016, Carson Palmer was really, really playing well, too. So I, I think that there is something there. Like you said, there is a correlation there. Uh, you got to be strong at, at both those uh, two spots to, to make the other guy uh, mutually beneficial as far as fantasy goes. Um, you know, you talked earlier, Chris, about trying to get these balanced, you know, well-balanced teams so that you can, you know, on a week by week basis, be able to not only beat your opponent, but put up good points in in doing so. So you can put yourself in a position uh, to make the playoffs uh, and then the championship round. Have you found your, your teams um, that have been successful in the football guys players championship? Are they more successful if they're stronger at a certain position? Like um, if you've had some running back dominant teams where you're starting three or four running backs um, most weeks that they're more successful than, teams that maybe had a good wide receiver core or you know two or three really good tight ends or does it really vary or have you not seen like any kind of correlation as far as being strong at a specific position goes 
No, I think if you drafted a stud running back, so if you got Levy and Bell in round one, right, you don't have to worry about drafting uh, a lot of backups at running back, and so you could take a, a bunch of good wide receivers in the, uh, you know, rounds three to, to seven, uh, and then you could pick and choose, right, each week based on matchup, which is important. Um, so the same thing if you take Antonio Brown, right, then then you maybe take a couple more running backs in in the uh, the earlier rounds, uh, so you could do that kind of mix and match play. Um, I, I don't have any teams that I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to play running backs, you know, three or four running backs every week. I'm, I'm looking at the matchups. I think that's a lot more important than uh, than the player. Um, the one thing that I don't like is people who go with, you know, two or three tight ends. Uh, that usually, I, uh, from what I've seen, doesn't work out well. So I try to avoid that. Uh, you know, I have maybe two or three teams where I have, you know, I took a couple tight ends, but those teams didn't do that well. See now, I, and I would tell you this that I haven't really seen teams that that do take the two or three tight ends early necessarily be all that successful. But I have seen teams that you know maybe they take one tight end early, but then they hit on like two more in like round ten and round twelve. And if and if you're investing that pick in, and then those guys end up to be like fringe top twelve guys, I think that then it can work out for you. But investing three like top six round or top seven round picks and tight ends it just doesn't seem to have a, a good success rate as far as i've seen yeah i mean if you look at the guys that were being taken in rounds uh, you know five to seven you had kyle rudolph you had delaney walker um you know those guys kind of busted compared to where uh, people thought they'd be um and tight end is the highest variance position in terms of uh, point production right so they could have five points one week. They could have 20 points the next week. Um, I'd rather go with somebody who's a little bit more uh, steady and reliable to put up the points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So consistent consistency is, is, is really underrated, especially when it comes to a hit or miss position like tight end. If you can, like you said with Travis Kelsey and, and I was high on him this year, uh, like you were as well. And, and we've seen, it. I mean, the guy he's, he's consistent. Zach Ertz has been very consistent this year. And uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that uh, win a lot of money this year. Uh, based on having those two players for sure. Chris, when when you talk about managing as many teams as you have, I'm always curious as to what it's like, you know, when you start the, the bidding process for waivers, you know, if, if, if that begins right for you right away on Monday or if you try to get as much information as you can and, and um, you know, then put them in on, on Wednesday or, or what have you. What's, what's your bidding um process like uh, week by week when you're putting those waiver bids in and then Sunday mornings uh, submitting lineups what's that like uh, when you have uh, you know so many lines in the water yeah so this year I said I was going to draft you know maybe 10 15 teams and uh, <laughs> I just like drafting um, so I ended up with something like 48 teams which is a pain in the butt to manage um, <laughs> you know I spend you know of my fantasy time I spend maybe 80% on daily fantasy and then 20% on the uh, the year-long fantasy um, so there's been weeks where I just haven't even had the time and I, I missed the waiver wire. Um, so I think if I had hundred percent focus, I could do a little bit better, uh, than I'm currently doing, but, but I'm not doing bad with it. Um, my strategy for waiver wire though, is I don't like to spend the dollars at the beginning unless there's a person that I think is a can't miss that you need to buy. Uh, so right now, right going into the playoffs, I'm taking a look at the other guys. And if there's somebody that I like today that I have to bid on, I know hundred percent I'm going to get them because nobody else has any dollars left. And I, I have, you know, five times more than the, the second guy. Um, so I like to, to save those dollars for the back half of the year. You know, I'll be stingy, uh, you know, get a get a kicker here, get a defense there for, you know, a couple bucks. Um, 
But again, unless you have somebody that that's a can't miss, I wouldn't spend a lot of dollars in the beginning part of the year. I mean, if you look at this year, a lot of people paid up for uh, Tara Cohen after week one, right? I saw people paying three, four hundred dollars for him uh, on the waiver wire, and, and how did that turn out for them? So, you know, and and the other thing too that you bring up, and I, and I think this is underrated for like the the main event and the and the FPC is when you have that bidding dollar advantage um, in those league playoff weeks. I mean, and you're, it, it's down to like, it's you versus three other teams essentially. And, and then if you get to the championship, your, your league championship round, then you can really play, you know, you, you can really dominate what your opponent is able to start against you when you have that bidding dollar advantage. So I always liked having that too. Um, when, when you can go into, into this type of format and, and have that advantage uh, with fab, it's, it's pretty big. Um, and you're talking about the league playoffs. So it's, it's, it's a big deal. And there's a lot of money at stake too, uh, for sure. Uh, you, uh, the playoff challenge last year, which is something that, that we at the FFPC offer, uh, every single year, you were fantastic at it to, to put it lightly. You, you enter 10 teams, uh, at, at, at $200 each. And out of those 10, six of them, you end up cashing including third place overall, fifth place overall, beating out hundreds of other teams. Uh, so out of that um, 2000 that you paid to enter with those 10 teams, you get a, over 30 grand back. That's, that's a nice little return. I'm curious uh, how you were so successful in assembling those lineups that, that paid out so well. Yeah, so I think uh, my approach was to take a look at who was playing in the playoffs and pick who was going to win in each round. And from that, right, uh, you know, I had Green Bay going – to the Super Bowl, right? So I said, okay, if I think they're going to be in this many games, I'm going to take who from Green Bay, who do I want, right? So I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, because you want the guys that are going to put up the most points across as many games as they're going to be in there, right? So uh, a team that I think is going to be a one and done, I'm going to pick, you know, their defense, right? Because low low point point average, um, and so just the teams I thought were going to go far uh, ended up going far, and I picked the right guys from the right team, so. Uh, it was, it was good, too, because I, I mixed it up a little bit, right? So I thought um, I wasn't sure Devonta Freeman versus Julio Jones. So on, I think, half the teams I picked one, half the teams I picked the other. So uh, at the end, when I had a lot of teams that were still up there in the rankings, uh, you know, at the Super Bowl, I could kind of root for each guy, right? <laughs> right. That's awesome. I, I, that, and that and it could have even been better had the Packers beat the uh, the Falcons in that NFC championship game and you would have had a lot of Rodgers out there and that, and you know, I think there's a decent amount of people that, that thought the Packers could, could get to the Super Bowl, but certainly uh, it had to be a minority with, with all those other great teams in the NFC. I don't think there was a lot of people that even thought they were going to get past Dallas uh, in the second round. So that certainly paid off. Congrats to you on that. I want to talk a little bit now uh, about um, some stuff that's going on uh, for 2017. Matt Matt Moore came in last week after Jay Cutler uh, was concussed and uh, did really really good actually you know threw for 280 plus yards uh, and the biggest beneficiary of that was Kenny Stills so if Cutler now this is a big if I don't know if he's going to um, you know pass uh, protocol but if he doesn't and if Matt Moore is indeed the starter uh, again this week. Can Kenny Stills actually be a sneaky second flex start for teams in the FFPC and, and football guys playoffs this week? Yeah, I think uh, there's two reasons I would think about starting him. One is you have nobody better. And the second one is if you take a look at your team against uh, your opponent's team and, and you think that they have an advantage and, and you say the probability is 
significantly greater than 50-50 that you're going to lose and you need to take a guy who's kind of a boom or bust, uh, then you want to think about taking somebody like a Kenny Stills, right? Otherwise, if you had, let's say, Devontae Parker as another option, the guy, since he's been back from injury, has averaged something like five or six catches for, you know, 60 or 70 yards, no TDs. He hasn't had a TD since like week two or three. Um, but he's a lot more reliable, right? So you really need to take a look at the composition of your team, what you expect uh, to land in terms of points versus your opponent, and then do you need a guy that could potentially put you over the edge, right? Because if you think you're going to lose anyway, then what does it hurt to put Kenny Stills in there where he could put up a 20, 25-point game? Yeah, he, I mean, I, I just don't understand like the, the fact that Moore can get in there and you know Stills just looks so good. Uh, I don't know why Cutler can't do it, but uh, <laughs> that's maybe a, a different uh, discussion for a different day. Um, a guy that has missed most of the season and actually came back and, and was pretty good. Uh, his first game uh, coming off IR was Corey Coleman this week for Cleveland. Catches six balls for 80 yards uh, against, you know, not the easiest matchup in the world in, in Cincinnati. Can we expect more games like this for Corey Coleman the rest of the season, even with Deshaun Kaiser throwing to him? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> out of 48 teams, I don't think I drafted one Cleveland Brown in any of them. Uh, I stayed away from, especially the people who were drafting Isaiah Crowell in the third, fourth round before somebody like Mark Ingram was was kind of crazy. But they have to throw it to somebody, right? Um, the problem is uh, Richard Higgins had one big game, and the next week everyone said, you know, he's going to do it, and he did nothing. He had like one catch. Uh, Ricardo Lewis had, you know, a game or two where he had a couple receptions and then nothing. You know, Kenny Britt's been here. He's been there. Um, you know, the most reliable guy is uh, Duke Johnson on the team. Um I mean, again, you know, Josh Gordon, is he going to come back and play? Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch anybody on the Browns team. Uh, I'd look for, for somebody else. So, I mean, uh, again, if you have nobody else better, throw Corey Coleman in there. But um, I'd, I'd stay away. This past Monday, Josh Gordon started practicing with the, uh, with the Browns again. Can we lump him in to this discussion where maybe he does have a big game here, um, you know, before the end of the season? Um, but, but there's really no way to count on him for any sort of consistency is i mean is he is he in that pool as well no i mean i I wouldn't play him at all uh when he came back the last time i don't think he had any any significant games he he played a couple games i don't think nothing significant and again he's been out for how long and and you saw Le'Veon bell in week one right so he he didn't play in the preseason um he was playing the browns defense right which last year browns rush defense was horrible they're they're pretty good this year um but anyway, you saw how he performed in week one, right? At least from a daily fantasy perspective, everybody was on Le'Veon Bell, and he busted week one. Well, I think that's important, right? When you're out of the game uh, for a while, you're not going to come back strong. It's going to take a while to build up. I think Josh Gordon's been away for so long that I, I wouldn't play him at all this year. Yeah, it's it's difficult because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you kind of want him on your roster, but at the same time, it's like, when are you and if you're still playing now for the rest of the season you obviously have a very good team it's like when are you going to feel good about putting him in your lineup and and i don't know maybe maybe the fact of just having him on your roster is you're just you're just asking to make the wrong decision but uh certainly a a, a good stash just to see what happens and and um you know who knows uh, we'll we'll remain uh we'll remain on the edge of our seats uh, watching Josh Gordon uh, to see what happens there. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, that backfield uh, continues to produce, but it's just has not been the same guy uh, from a week-to-week basis. Uh, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, for this next question, I'm going to uh, base this around, uh, let's just say you own both of them for whatever reason. They're, they're both on your team between Murray and McKinnon, and you only have room for one in your starting lineups. Are, are you playing Latavius Murray, who's been running uh, pretty effectively, gets the two touchdowns again this week, 
Um, or uh, is it Jarek McKinnon who, in a PPR format, really, I mean, he is the pass catcher between the two. Which one would you be playing uh, if you needed one but could only play one? No, I'd, I'd 100% be playing McKinnon um, if you take a look. And I was actually looking at these two guys for the uh, Thursday uh, daily fantasy slate. Um, they both get the same number of rushing carries. If you go back the past three weeks, they're basically even on rushing carries. And then McKinnon gets, you know, six, seven, eight targets a game and Murray gets zero to one. Uh, right. So the, the from a consistency standpoint, McKinnon's there. The, the variance is Latavius Murray had uh, two touchdowns this past week. But if you go back a few weeks ago, I think McKinnon put up 20-plus points in three out of four weeks, right? So, uh, again, you got to get the guy who gets the most touches, and especially in the PPR league, if McKinnon's catching five balls uh, five balls a week to none for Murray, that's that's basically a touchdown right there. Um, so 100% I'd play McKinnon every time. Yeah, and, you know, I'm kind of with you on that. I just It's frustrating for me because I do have one team uh, this year that has um, – uh, Murray and McKinnon on it. And I feel like I've made the correct call between the two of them once <laughs> so far since Cook's ga- uh, gone down. Um, so I, I, I'm, I hope that uh, that McKinnon is the correct play from here on out. Um, you know, all the numbers that you're citing uh, make a lot of sense to me. I just, I just hope it translates uh, to the field again, uh, especially this Thanksgiving day. Um, give us a player, Chris, uh, before we let you go this week. First of all, thank, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, a player that uh, was drafted relatively high this year that you've already given up on or maybe are about to give up on. And then conversely, uh, a guy that uh, since this, this show won't come out until uh, Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning, a guy that you'll be targeting on the uh, FFPC waiver wire this week. So Jordy Nelson, uh, I mean, I think I only have him on one or two teams, but I benched him, you know, two weeks ago. I haven't played him since. Um, Hunley's horrible, right? <laughs> he doesn't deserve to be a starter. But uh, And the only guy that he likes to throw to is Devontae Adams. So if you look at Adams, he's had big games, you know, two or three out of the past four weeks. Um, so so Jordy Nelson, I had completely given up on him. He's, uh, he's done for the rest of the year. In terms of targeting somebody... Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't take a look. The one guy that I had on my mind uh, before I do any research is uh, J.D. McKissick on Seattle, right? So I, uh, Mike Davis, they tried him this week. I think they just signed him off the practice squad. He got the start. He went down with an injury. Uh, Eddie Lacy was in there, right? He he looked horrible as usual. Uh, Thomas Rawls didn't even play in the game yesterday, so uh, it kind of shows you their confidence there. So I think McKissick, um, he gets all the targets. He had five targets yesterday. I think he had four or five catches on that. Um, and if they just give him some some running shots, uh, I think he can be the starter there. And I'll, I'll pick him up. I think the guys that I have at running back are, are better than him at this point. But, you know, if they make him the dedicated starter, he might be a guy I'll play in a week or two. Yeah, and, and I, I think you bring up a, a lot of good points there with McKissick. Lacey is, has underwhelmed all season. Uh, Rawls was, is a guy who was a, you know, a healthy scratch on, on, um, on Monday Night Football. You have Chris Carson on IR. You have CJ Procise on IR. Mike Davis actually looked good, and then he hurt his groin, and now it sounds like he might not play this week. I mean, that's the last guy standing there. You're talking about J.D. McKissick, and this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. This is a team that has a capable quarterback 
uh, a pretty good um, uh, tight end and a pretty good number one receiver and and pretty uh, you know decent uh, secondary receivers in in Richardson and Lockett. So I think that this offense is going places. They stabilized the line with Dwayne Brown. McKissick makes a, a lot of sense. I you know there's a chance that. If, if you're putting him in as, as a flex down the stretch, he could be the type of guy that just comes out of nowhere. And, and we're talking at the end of the year, like, wow, anybody who picked up McKissick um, is really reaping the benefits here in the championship round. He could be that guy. Yeah, I mean, he had, you know, the first game we saw him, he had a, a good game, which was kind of a fluke because he had limited touches. But if small guys like McKinnon and Alvin Kamara are getting, you know, 15 touches a game, there's no reason Seattle can't give McKissick the same. And again, he he's more explosive than anyone else they have on the team. He's the only guy catching the ball since Procise is gone for the year. Um, but again, it's strange that that team's strange. You never know what they're going to do because they they fell down early last night, but in the first half, and they stopped running the ball completely. So it was all Russell Wilson. So I'm actually happy with that, right? For all the Russell Wilsons I have on on my teams, right? Um, so I think that's good. I think he might be one of the maybe the top quarterback the next few weeks. Um, but again, if, if they start going to the run game and they want to put McKissick in there and see what he can do and give him 15 touches a game, uh, I think he might surprise people. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think you're right. I think he is, especially with we're paring down the rosters now, the bye weeks are behind us, you're, you know, the benches are getting shorter. If you want to have that uh, lottery ticket type guy, I, don't, I think McKissick is actually beyond that. I, I think he's actually just a smart investment. Uh, at this point, just to keep on your roster for the stretch run. I know you will be uh, in the thick of it for the stretch run, Chris. I certainly appreciate you joining the uh, High Stakes Lowdown this week. Uh, best of luck to you this uh, opening weekend of the uh, Football Guys Players Championship playoffs, and, and best of luck to you uh, the rest of the way, man. Thanks so much for coming on, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. appreciate it. Same to you. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.